thank you very much for the opportunity, Lee. Um, I feel very nervous, actually, because I just realised the last time I preached, I was actually in Salvation Army uniform, and that was uh, in a church, so it would be well over two years. So uh, I have um, shared about the my role at the airport in a few places, but not actually um, brought a message. So I, I really pray that this morning, um, as we open up the word, that God uh, will speak to each of us and use me in a little way. Part of my role at the airport um, is actually an incredible thing that's happening at the moment where I get to actually go and um, speak to all the various different organisations that make up the airport in their induction process and just share a little bit about um, airport chaplaincy. Now, I must say I was set up a few weeks ago because um, one of the guys, every time I walk into the session or wherever he sees me around the airport, he addresses me as father. I don't know why he does it. I think he's got some Catholic background, but wherever I am. So I walk in this day, he's training, and uh, they're, they're baggage handlers. So they're big guys ready to get going. And uh, he walks in and he says, oh, here's the father. Well, the bloke at the front, you could see him start squirming in his seat. Because he then went on to say, he's here to take your confessions. <laughs> well, I've never seen a bloke get up and get out of the room so quick. But what I usually do at these sessions is um, show this little video clip and I'll, I'll just show that and let it speak for itself um, and then we'll go on. Thank you. Yeah, she has a fractured fibula given mild Saturday. So he can be able to go on tomorrow. Daddy's going to be so excited. That killed him. Dr. Palmer, Dr. Barbara Palmer, dial paging we'll Dr. Palmer, there. Dr. Barbara it's Palmer. It's those last lines of the video. What I do say to those people that I'm coming in to speak is don't judge too quickly uh, and give me the opportunity to share what chaplaincy is about. So I asked the same this morning, don't judge me too quickly. <laughs> I want to consider the events after that first Easter Sunday. And this morning I asked a couple of questions. Other times that Jesus appeared a coincidence. We know that he appeared several times in different circumstances along the road to Emmaus and the story we're going to look at this morning. Were they just coincidental encounters? I don't believe so, but we're going to explore that this morning. And then how does Jesus invite us to be part of the resurrection story? I was just said I'm the chaplain at Melbourne Airport, a role I've had for the past four and a half years. Um, I just want to show you just a few facts about that place that um, I be, I'm uh, the chaplain and my team is. If we could just have the next slide. So it's a huge site, Melbourne Airport. Uh, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never stops. At the moment, two runways and four terminals, but uh, over the next three or four years, we'll see a building of a third runway. We are heading back to uh, that level that this was pre-COVID, 650 plus flights daily in and out, 100,000 passengers, 70 plus destinations, 38 airlines, 20,000 employees, and uh, adds $17.6 billion to the Victorian economy. That's why they, um, they want to get the place rocking and rolling again, even though they, it was like turning on a tap last week and all sorts of things went wrong for us. In that space, along with five other volunteers who come and help me, we provide a chaplaincy service. And when I started into that place, I wondered how in the heck 
was I going to be effective in that place? It's a crazy space. It can be really demanding, and Heather will know um, that the phone often goes off in the middle of the night, and uh, it's um, either the AFP or somebody there uh, found a homeless or distressed person and needing assistance through the middle of the night. So when I first started, I wondered how in the heck could I be effective? But I soon discovered that if I trusted God moment by moment, somehow he would move me to the right place at exactly the right time. Let me give you three quick examples of what I mean. And sorry, love, I'm telling the stories again. <laughs> First one was uh, I was in a part of the airport where um, I, I walked through all the time, but I noticed uh, this couple, a, a man and a woman standing there, uh, trolley loaded up with luggage and realised that um, they were international travellers. And I thought, how in the heck have international travellers got in this part of the airport? So I went up to them to uh, see if they were doing all right. And the lady was fairly frustrated, said they'd had a terrible trip from um, London. Um, and currently her husband was trying to use his phone, but an English phone, it couldn't work. They were trying to phone their accommodation to see if they could get in a bit earlier to drop off their bags. But then the tears started to roll. And she said, what we're here for is we've actually, instead of coming to have a holiday with our 25-year-old son, we're actually coming to get his body and take him home. He died recently of an accidental drug overdose. So we went into action. Um, they didn't need taxis. We talked to the accommodation. We found out what hospital um, their son was in, still in the morgue. We organised a chaplain to meet them at that hospital and drove them to that hospital. I then took their luggage to their accommodation. Um, and that was the end of our, what we thought was the end of our encounter. Two weeks later, they phoned me up to say they were coming back through the airport this time with their son's ashes to return home. So I met them at the airport and we organised um, a check-in for them, got them into a lounge where they could sit a bit um, in a bit uh, more quieter place before their flight. And I'm sitting there and I listen to this incredible story of what happened in the two years. Their son had gone off the rails, um, had become addicted to drugs, um, but uh, was recovering and through the St Kilda Chapel and the Catholic priest actually went um, and um, uh, met with the family, organised a service, but then did something incredible. They went to the chapel in St Kilda where all of the friends of this guy, many of them homeless, many of them addicted, had actually uh, written a play about their, this, uh, this couple's son. And they wanted to show this couple what their son meant to them. And they were sitting there telling me this story, tears running down all of our faces. And then, the, and then the wife said to me, I don't believe it was a coincidence that I, we met you that day. And the husband said, yes, it's a coincidence. He was just there. And she said, no, it's not a coincidence. She said, I'd wandered away from, from God, and when I go back, I'm going to reconnect to my church. I'm in the uh, international arrivals area, very busy, and sometimes you just hang there and... Um, Lots of people, meeting people for various reasons. And I'm standing there this day, it was very busy, and a man tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and he said, I saw you as a chaplain. Um, we, our daughter's coming back from an overseas school camp. Now, I don't know about you, but school camps in my day was usually somewhere on a rickety old bus uh, in, in uh, tents that weren't waterproof. But now kids seem to go overseas on these overseas trips. So... 
they were waiting for them to come back. But he said, what we need, we need a quiet space because we actually have to give her some devastating news. <coughs> so I arranged for them to get into the VIP room in the International Arrivals. And um, when the daughter came, she said goodbye to all her friends and we walked off as we were walking to the car park and then we just stepped into the room. And what they had to tell her, they wanted to prepare her that while she'd been away, that her 10-year-old brother had been diagnosed with an inoperable brain, brain tumour. And when she drove home, she would see the house was going to be different and her brother was confined to a wheelchair. But they wanted to prepare her for that. Now, I, could, I offered to leave them in that room, but they asked me to stay. Um, let me tell you, sometimes you get asked to stay in some pretty tough places. But I stayed with this family while they tried to tell their daughter this devastating news, hugs, tears, um, silence, as uh, the daughter tried to process it. And then it got to a stage where they said, we think we're ready to go. And they went home. I got a text message um, from that guy later in the day to say, um, thank you for the care and concern, but he was now looking at his wife, daughter, son and their dog, all cuddled up together on the couch asleep. Uh, and he just wanted to thank us for the compassion. And then just recently through the COVID, I had the opportunity to come alongside a woman. Uh, we, the, the COVID has been really tough on travellers. And in this case, this woman uh, from the US was trying to get home, uh, but turned up and her um, COVID test, her PCR test, was half an hour. It came down to a lot of uh, countries made it down to a timing. So her PCR test was half an hour or 20 minutes out of time for her to be allowed to fly home. So you can imagine the devastation for her. So at that stage, we didn't have a testing clinic at the airport. So I put her in my car and uh, we'd um, reached out a number of times to our lab in um, Heidelberg that had um, not only testing, but the lab was there. And they, if I turned up as the airport chaplain with a carload of people who were in the same boat, they would rush the test through and usually within um, uh, three to six hours, we'd have a result to try and get them on another flight. So I did that with this woman. But what I learnt was her story. Her husband, at 60 years old, died of COVID. He was completely healthy, went into hospital in the US with a cough, ended up on life support and ended up dying. Her two sons uh, were actually doctor. Both of them were doctors. She hadn't seen them for three months because they were living every day at the hospital because they didn't want to leave because of the situation over there. And so she said... Uh, and I got from her that she had a, a faith, but all the processes of being with her dying husband hadn't had happened. She got a phone call to say that he was getting worse. She got a phone call to say he was dead. She got a phone call to say his body had been taken off a funeral that she couldn't attend. Her, the, the, she wouldn't normally have the priest come. He wasn't able to do that. And then she'd had some uh, bad advice to say that if she didn't get to Australia within three months to sell um, a flat that they had, um, when they used to come and do business, our government would take the flat off her and sell it for her. So she, she was in a... You can imagine the mess. So come to Australia, she ends up in quarantine for two, uh, two weeks in Sydney, comes down to Melbourne, doesn't know anybody. Again, we're in lockdown in Victoria. She gets stuck in another hotel, unable to move, trying to deal with the real estate agents. Um, and eventually, she just wanted the property sold. So she's at the airport. So you can imagine the emotional... Um, space she was in. Well, it takes 20 minutes to get to this um, um, lab, 
and it was the most incredible 20 minutes of my life. Sitting with this woman who said the whole time she was trying to be strong for her boys and she'd never been able to actually recognise what was going on for her. So to be able to sit in the car and pray with her, let her tell her story, let her start to deal with some of her grief. Um, by the time we got back to the airport and uh, we'd reorganised flights and uh, she was going to get home, she had everything she needed. For the first time in a day, almost a day that I spent with her, I saw a smile on her face and uh, she went home feeling lighter but feeling that she'd started that grieving process for herself. But each one of those stories was an encounter and I believe was not coincidental. Every time God brought me into that situation. So let's open up our Bibles to um, John, <coughs> John chapter 21, verse 1 to 14. And you're going to get sick of hearing my voice. So for each slide, I'm wondering if somebody, and it doesn't matter if there's two, decide to jump in. But we'll read the scripture reading, but everybody takes a turn to uh, read um, read one of the slides as we uh, have a look at this encounter when Jesus appeared to his disciples. Fantastic, incredible account, isn't it? And if we go on reading, we actually read about the restoration and forgiveness of Peter, an amazing passage that was, in, uh, I must say, so beautifully expressed in the follower. Um, probably out of the follower, that was the part that spoke to me the most uh, when we uh, looked at that show. But, you know, there's something even more amazing to show that this appearance on the shore was not a coincidence that it was part of God's plan. You see, in Luke's Gospel, we read of another miracle catch of fish. In Luke chapter 5, at this point, it is where Peter, Jacob and John were fishing and nothing overnight, nothing had been caught. Jesus appeared to them 
threw their net over the other side and there were so many fish they had to get other boats to come and help. You remember the story? What was that encounter about? It was actually when Jesus called them to follow him. And what does, after this encounter, what does Jesus say to Peter? Follow me. It was a reminder. It was a reminder. It wasn't a coincidence. It was part of God's plan that he came along that morning to come and speak to those disciples. But I want us to backtrack just a little. Peter and his friends were probably, at this time, a little bewildered, frightened, trying to process all that had happened and trying to get their heads around the fact that they had seen Jesus. Just think about it. They were in a, 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 a the, the place would have been in turmoil. The rumours would have been rife. And we know that for quite a while they were locked behind closed doors. But I don't know about you, when you get to that point of saying, I need to clear my head, what do you do? Do you go to something you have a favourite thing to do? Where do you go when um, things get on top of you? What did Peter do? He went back to what he knew the best, and that was to go fishing. Now, for me, I'd like to say it was golf, but golf doesn't do much for me. <laughs> um, although I, I'm a bit of um, uh, a Lego uh, freak, and uh, my family knows that. And um, just recently for my birthday, they bought me um, the grand piano. Let me say it was the most complicated Lego model I've made. Uh, it took me 10 days, and normally it takes me less than 48 hours to do something. Um, but to get this one working, and it actually plays, it's amazing. It's got an app, and it actually plays, and all the keys work, so it was fairly complicated. But don't we go to that safe place? When things are on top, when we're bewildered, when we're not sure what's happening, we try and find that safe place, that place where we feel comfortable, that place we feel uncomf- uh, where we feel like we know we got, got control of our situation. And that's exactly what the disciples did here. They went fishing. They went fishing, a place where they were comfortable. These guys, then in the early dawn, they saw a figure standing on the shore. And as they came closer, the Bible says about 100 metres, Jesus called out to them. He then gave them some instructions of what to do. For me at the airport, I think those instructions, it's God leading me to turn left instead of right. It's very easy to have a well-worn path, but I know that I have to sense where God wants me to go. And even this week, uh, God told me on Thursday to go a certain direction, and guess what I ran into? Two Baptists. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Trying to get back to the UK, uh, an older couple, and they turned up at the airport uh, to find out that their travel agent had booked them a flight that didn't exist. So, yes, so uh, we spent some quite good, quite good time um, over a couple of days until we were able to get them on another flight on Friday home. So he gave them some instructions. But what was that? It was then that they recognised, oh, I said that. Now, now it's this next bit I want to go with. After Peter had dived into the water, impetuous Peter, first to get off, wants to see the Lord, dives into the water and swims ashore, leaves his mates to bring in the catch. Did you notice that? Here is Jesus with a with fire. And on that fire is already cooking bread and fish. But I think what Jesus said next is the most amazing. Can I have the next couple of slides? Just a couple of pictures to give us an idea. And we'll go to the next one. Thanks. He said... Bring some of the fish you just caught 
and put it on the fire. Now, it seems insignificant, doesn't it? And yet I think it's an incredible invitation from God to bring what we have to join with what God has already given us. God had already prepared the feast, the breakfast, but he wanted the fish that they caught brought and shared in the same place. Even though he had everything, he still asked them to bring that fish. Even though God has supplied everything that was needed for a beautiful breakfast, he asked the disciples to bring their fish. I think this is amazing that God invites us to bring what we have so he can use our gifts, our talents, our lives alongside what he has already provided. Now, I shouldn't do do this, but I do get blown away. After every conversation that I have where I sense God has been there before me, after every invitation that I get to pray with people, after I've given someone a hug and let me say that after you would have seen on the news um, the bags and the chaos at the airport, as things settled down, it was amazing as we went round as chaplains, all people wanted to do was have a hug from the chaplain. It was like, we've got there. Um, after I've listened to people's stories, I see that God uses the little eye I have, that small portion of fish, to bring hope, to bring life, and to bring love to someone who God has already prepared for me to encounter. And I want to say today this, that is so true for each of us. I'm nothing special. And the same thing that can happen for me can happen for you. If we are prepared to allow God to lead us moment by moment, to empty ourselves, to be open to sensing how and where God needs us, then incredible things start to happen. It will not be a coincidence that we are where we are at that moment because Jesus Christ has already prepared the way. God invites you today to bring your fish alongside his so he can use us in bringing hope to a very broken world. He calls us again this morning to be light and to be salt. And you know what? We can be used by God in so many different ways. I love the idea of the food bank. Just a gift of food. One of the things that we've done over the Easter time, we do it every year, but it really got um, sort of mucked up over, um, obviously, over COVID with so many people being stood down and not being away. But we give out a little Easter egg. It's a little Easter egg. We give out 18 kilos, I think, by the time we finished. Um, but, so you can, uh, my wife loves chocolate, and I mentioned 18 kilos of chocolate. She's, um, <laughs> but just that little Easter egg this year seemed to have an incredible message of hope. It opened up so many incredible conversations. We learned things about people we didn't know through the simple gift of an egg. So you can be used by God in your family. You can be used by God to connect with your neighbours, with your work colleagues, your friends, at school, wherever it might be. We can be used by God. Desmond Tutu said this, and I'd like to read it. He said, all over this magnificent world, God calls us to extend God's kingdom of shalom, peace and wholeness, of justice, of goodness, of compassion, of caring, of sharing, of laughter, of joy, and of reconciliation.
God is, I like the word transforming, but transfiguring the world right this very moment through us because God believes in us. Isn't that amazing? God believes in us and because God loves us. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And as we share God's love with our brothers and sisters, God's other children, all created in his image, there is no tyrant who can resist us. No oppression that cannot be ended, no hunger that cannot be fed, no wound that cannot be healed, no hatred that cannot be turned to love, no dream that cannot be fulfilled. Aren't those amazing words? The problem I find is that I often feel unworthy to be used. But God is wanting to work a miracle in our lives just like he did in Peter's. You know, we get to carry two things after the Easter. We get to carry the suffering of the cross, which helps us to sit in this suffering world, a world that seems so out of control, when there are so many people that are needing just somebody to come and sit beside them. But at the same time, we sit this side of the resurrection, when Christ's power was let free in this world through the Holy Spirit. And we sit there, and God will use us. He will restore us. He will forgive us. He will empower us for every situation that we find ourselves in. There is a beautiful old hymn that has a modern chorus that's been added to it that's so powerful. And I just want to read the verses and chorus before I play a clip with the whole song. It says this, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not, to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, I would be lost, but mercy and grace my freedom brought, and now to glory in your cross, O Lamb of God, I come. And the beautiful chorus says this, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb and I'm welcomed with open arms. Why? Because of who I am. Maybe this morning you might feel broken. Maybe you're wounded. Maybe you feel like you are drowning and need to be rescued. Maybe you feel like you are dry and empty. Or maybe you even feel like you're weighed down by guilt. Well, I invite you, if you'd like this morning, as uh, the clip's played, you might want to sing along if you know the song. I invite you to come forward for prayer where you can be mended, you can be healed, you can be rescued, you can be filled, you can be pardoned. Why? Because you are welcomed with open arms by Jesus Christ. Just as 